0: Okay, well, good morning. Um, As I get set up here, uh, how's everyone doing? Good. Everyone pretty nervous? No, I am, so got enough of it for all of you. Um, Before I get started this morning, I just want to say that it's it's an honor to be up here. Um, I love this church very much. Worked very hard for this place, and it's truly an honor to be up here delivering the word. Uh, So thank you, John and Halsey. You guys are great friends to Miss Janelle and I, and we thank you and and are honored that you're in our lives. All right. So we're in this prayer initiative that we were just talking about. We are talking about what would it look like if we depend on God. And and, uh, John asked me that. He said, you know, how is your sermon going to work into depending on God? And quite frankly, I don't have an answer for that. But I started thinking about what it means to depend on God and what it means to depend, period. And while I couldn't come up with a very good formulated, formulated definition, I, I realized a few things about depending. One of them is you have to listen, right? You have to, to listen, you have to trust, and you have to obey. As a young child, I depended on my dad for a lot. And we lived on a pretty busy street. If I was standing out in the middle of a highway, which I did quite often, and he yelled at me and said, hey, get out of the highway, I had to listen. I had to obey and I had to act. I had to, right? Otherwise, it wasn't going to go well for me. Uh, We're going to have a bit of an exercise in those three things today. So now I hope you're all as nervous as I am. (laughs) We're going to be today in Psalms 103. I don't have any fancy slides. I'm not very tailored or very good at this. So we're just going to kind of walk through this together. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. If you don't, look at your neighbors. If you don't, pull it up on your phone. You probably have a Bible app on there somewhere. It's probably next to Facebook or something ridiculous like that. You know, in that same idea of depending on God, we just spent a wonderful weekend with some friends of ours in in a lake house, at a lake house. And they just had a baby. And this baby's, like, maybe three months old, two months old. Okay, so he's really young. And, uh, you know, I'm holding this baby, and I'm loving on him, and he's awesome, he's really good looking. And I'm telling him, like, all of these things, like, man, you're good looking, you're awesome, you're great. And he is going through this range of emotions. I mean, he is elated, to livid in a split second, you know, just by looking at me. I guess it has something to do with my face. And he kept, he, kept, he kept doing this over and over and over, and I looked over at Janelle, and I was like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I looked at him, square in the eye, and I said, you can be as mad as you want to be at me, but I'm still going to love you. You know what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We kept going <laughs> through, this, through these peaks and valleys, right, just on and on, just nonstop. But what a, what a wonderful way to exhibit how God treats us. What a wonderful way. All right. So I want to pray for us real quick. And we're going to read this psalm. I'm going to preach through it. And we're going to have a little exercise together. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this assembly here that's ready to hear your word. Thank you for this assembly here that is ready to honor you. that wants to learn about the nature and character of who you are, that you have revealed to us through your word and through your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that as I I preach, my words are anointed. Not let them be mine, but yours. I just want to be a vessel for you today. It's in your wonderful, fantastic name that I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read Psalm 103. If you don't have your Bible, just listen. Pretty great, and we'll get started. All right, so here we go. Psalm 103. My soul, praise Yahweh, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all of his benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems you and your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness, and your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and rich in, un- in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Or repaid us according to our offenses for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him as far as is the east is from the west so far he has removed our transgressions from us as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows that what we are made of remembering that we are dust as for man his days are like grass he blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him, and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, and remember to reserve his, observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his angels of great strength, who do his word, obedient to his command. Praise the Lord, all his armies, his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, and all the places where he rules. My soul, praise Yahweh. All right. So, uh, normally when I preach, I go through a lot of teaching exercises. We kind of go all through the Bible and see how different ideas build on each other and why each thing is significant, and today is totally different. It's very different. Uh, When I started this sermon, I sat down and I asked asked myself, why do I praise him? Why do I praise God? And then I realized that, that when I work through these things, I'm always so logical in the way that I go about them that I don't give other people an opportunity to answer that same question So I really just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want you to just lead this today. I want you to lead this. I don't want to write anything that I can't, that I have to manufacture. I want this to be you, and whatever comes out, comes out. So in one, I apologize, and two, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) All right. So let me start out by asking a few questions. How many people in here bold enough to say that they are people of God? And you can raise your hand. I mean you're going to have some work to do so you might want to put your hand up how many people in here oh that was fantastic to see how many hands went up too cuz all of you are going to be doing stuff how many people are in here are willing to exercise the power given to them by Jesus through the holy spirit a little bit less now you're getting nervous that's all right who here among us is willing to pray for those in here who need his power Okay, good, good, good. Next question. Who in here needs his healing? Who in here needs chains to be broken? Who in here has addictions that need to be beat? Who in here needs victory in their lives. Who in here is ready for ailments to be taken away? Yeah, now you're starting to get worried. He's like, what is this? What is this guy doing? It's okay. It's going to be okay, I promise. Who in here needs sins to be taken away, for iniquities to be covered, for pains to be healed? Good, good. I'm very proud of you guys. (laughs) How many of us are willing to have church where Jesus showed up and lives are changed? And that's why we have church, right? So I'm asking, you know, who's ready? Are you guys ready? Because we're going to give it a shot. Come on, let's have church. All right, so let's start in uh, verse 3. It says, he forgives all sins, right? Now, beginning, remember in the beginning, he's talking about my soul, praise Yahweh. This is David telling his soul, praise Yahweh. He's getting himself ready, praise Yahweh. If you don't know what that is, that's God. Praise God. My soul, praise God. And verse 3 says, he forgives all your sins. So see, the Lord is holy and perfect. Amen? Come on, you guys got to be more vocal. Amen? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. So a sin is a transgression against a perfect God. It is a one-on-one offense against God and the author of law. Sin is lawlessness, right? Any of you guys who are in adult one Bible study, we've been through this. So if you have a one-on-one transgression against God and you are breaking the law, there has to be a penal code in place to deal with that lawlessness. Is that true? I mean, it happens in our regular world, right? So how, how does the Lord deal with that? Is sin just swept away into the rug of the universe? No, it's not. So how does the Lord deal with it? If there's a law and you break it, there has to be payment for it. The Lord forgives you. He forgives you through his son, his holy son, Alpha and Omega, Jehovah, was pierced, His body was broken, and his blood was spilled, so the debt that you couldn't pay for breaking that sin could be paid for you. Do you understand that? I hope that you do. The debt that you couldn't pay was paid for you on your behalf, and you were redeemed back to the kingdom of God because of the work that God did for you because, comma, you couldn't do it yourself. You know, when you think about that word redeem, it actually means to buy back. Catch that? So where David is saying here, he redeems your life from the pit, he's buying you back. For you to be bought back, you had to be purchased. Is it kind of starting to click together? You were purchased for a price. You, who could do nothing apart from yourself but sin, were brought back into God's inheritance... By the blood of Jesus, right? Your f- sins were forgiven. Your lawlessness was covered. You were forgiven. That one and simple truth should make you want to praise him, does it not? I mean, it's simple. It's the very first verse we started today, and we've got a long way to go. But that should make you want to praise him all on its own. Start, look over in verse 4. It says, uh, the second part of it, he says, He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. The genuine thought of the day, and even into today, is that kingdom comes through divine ordinance, that God destines a certain person to be king. Here, David writes that he, capital H, God crowns you, be it David. That means a man, David, broken and full of sin, is not authentically, not only authentically crowned, but he writes of himself to himself, of being crowned with faithful love and compassion, By God. You see, in the midst of all that you are, God crowned you like a dignitary. You're not just a subject, you're a dignitary. You're someone of importance. You are crowned, right? Look over in verse 17. It says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. As a gift of divine ordinance to you, since there's no crowns in here today. The very author of love and compassion gives you divine ordinance of being crowned. That's phenomenal. It's mind-blowing to me. For those that fear him, the Lord will forever bestow unrelenting, powerful, and ferocious love. So I see a lot of heads going like this, but I hope you catch the grasp of what we're trying to go over here. So at this point, what really stirs my affections for, for the Lord, and I've shared this with you before, is testimonies. I've been racking my brain and talking to a lot of people, trying to catch a really phenomenal testimony, and I have one that actually happened in my life last year that I have to share. Because when you read that the Lord loves you, you have to understand to the point, as David keeps going, that he loves you to the point that he heals you, right? When the world says that you can't be healed. Okay, so July 4th of last year, my wife and I went on this amazing date. Uh, we got to spend time with my family, with her family. Got to hear the Constitution read verbatim. It was phenomenal. It was really great. Then we went to this, uh, did something else. And then at night, we went to a fireworks show. And I started kind of feeling a little ill Went to bed, woke up the next day around 7 a.m., Went to, you know, went to the restroom, did my deal, and came back in the in the bedroom. And I felt like as though someone had taken like an 18-inch blade and jammed it into my side. And there was nothing I could do to get that pain to go away. Janelle woke up because she heard me rolling around and jumping around and flopping around on the ground because I was in so much pain. And, of course, that was July 4th, so all the hospitals were closed. No doctors would take me. Um, I didn't really want to go to a doctor as it was, but I couldn't figure out what was going on. The following Monday, I decided that it had to be a kidney stone, and I don't know who in here had a kidney stone, but it is horrid. There is no worse pain. Long story short, I went to the doctor, had an MRI or something like that, whatever it was. They found the kidney stone. He said, man, I want to get in there. I want to hack it out. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. You know how doctors are. And then I'm a Christian, so I, I wanted the Lord work. He said, okay, I'm going to give you a month. I'm going to give you a month, and you're going to have to deal with this pain for a month, or we could go down today and be done in 30 minutes. Which one do you do? I said, I'm going to take the pain for 30 months, for 30 days. I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot. So 30 days passed, and the pain was unbelievable. I mean, I'd, I would fall to my knees in tears while I was at work because I just, I couldn't move anymore. So the month goes by. I go to the x-ray machine again or whatever, and he goes, yep, it hasn't moved. Time's up. We have to go to surgery. I was like, "Man, I really don't want to go to surgery." He was like, "Too bad." So during this time, I was really kind of wrestling with my faith, and, and I was having a lot of people praying for me, but it wasn't—nothing was happening—and I was still in a lot of pain. So I was like, "Well, I guess—I guess maybe the Lord wants to heal me through surgery." So uh, I decided to go to surgery. Anyway, we get there, we get prepped. He comes in. The doctor comes in, tells my wife, "Like, oh, don't worry. It's going to be a 20-30 minute operation. You'll see him when he comes out. Everything's going to be kosher." No problem. An hour and a half later, I'm still in the operating room. Anyway, I didn't know that until after the fact. But I wake up in the, in the room outside, you know, and the kidney stone pain I will have back a hundred times for a hundred days than rather going through that pain of waking up for the surgery. You see, the doctor came in and he said, Justin, I don't, I don't know what happened, but I, I went in there and I know exactly where the kidney stone was, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. So then I don't know if you know how the kidney's made up, and I'm not a doctor, I'm an engineer, so I'm not nearly smart enough to explain this, but basically your kidney kind of looks like this. There's a, you know, if this is the inside and this is the outside, there's all these like little crevices inside here, and they kind of funnel around that way, and then there's a tube that goes this way, there's a tube that comes this way. Anyhow, so when the doctor went in to go find the kidney stone, he couldn't find it, he took his little probe or whatever it was, and literally went through every single one of these pockets trying to find that kidney stone. It was horrible. Horrible. I'm going to get tears in my eyes just thinking about how much pain I was in. Like they'd give me morphine and I was like you need to give me more and they were like sir you're at the legal limit. I can't do any more. It was horrible. So it took me a pretty good while to recover from that, but long story short, he never found it. So I show back up and we go through the MRI process or the X-ray or whatever it was and all of a sudden there it is. But now it's moved. So like I was saying you have your kidney, you know, and you got this tube here, and you got the tube that comes this way. My kidney was originally somewhere like this. And I don't know how big the kidney is, but for the sake of the argument, my kidney had developed something called a diverticulum. It's basically like a pocket, like a polyp. People get this quite a bit in their colons or whatever. But from wherever that kidney stone was, it traversed the entire length of my kidney... And ended up in that pocket, and the pocket sealed closed. So we're looking at this at this X-ray together, and he's like, "How did you do that? How did how in the world did you do that?" And he's going through it. He's like, "You know, I spent an hour and a half looking for that thing, and I couldn't find it. What happened?" And I was like, "I don't. I, I didn't have much say in the matter, really. I was kind of knocked out, if you recall." And we get done, and he looks at me, and he said, there's no medical explanation for what happened to you. I cannot tell you in all of my training, and this was a high up urologist in the city of Houston, I cannot tell you what happened. There is zero medical explanation. And right then, I was like, I know what happened. The Lord healed me. I did not need surgery. I put myself through so much, and I didn't even need it. Tell me that that's not a reason to praise him. All right, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 8. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and rich in faithful love. How many of us in here are willing to praise him just for that one fact? Right, yeah, yeah, you should be putting up your hands. Look at verse 10. It says that he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. Praise God. Right? Come on. Be more excited than that, y'all. Thank you. Come on. Dr. Vic, appreciate you, big guy. All right, Do you know how wicked I am? Apart from Jesus, you would run me out of this place, string me up by my thumbs, and I know I'm not the only one in here. I know that I'm not. The fact that I'm standing here today before you is only because the Lord has shown compassion on me and hasn't dealt with me according to my wrongdoings. The only reason that all of you are in here today is because the Lord is compassionate on us and has not dealt with us of course, according to the wrongdoings. The reason that this building is standing and not crushed under the weight of God's wrath and judgment as for in a moment we could and should be squashed like a bug is because God hasn't dealt with us according to the wages of our sins or our lawlessness. Do you catch the gravity of that? So when you, when you start thinking about all these things, now you start seeing, like, this is why David is saying, praise the Lord, O my soul. So why is that? Why is the Lord compassionate and not dealing with us in the ways that he should be? And the reason comes in verses 11 through 13. I'll read them to you again. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion in those who fear him. So, has your sin ever broken your heart? Have you ever laid awake at night in bed and can't stop thinking about former sin? Have you ever been so tormented by sin that you just, just nothing works? You can't work, you can't eat, nothing works. It keeps you up at night, you can't sleep, it's, it's horrible. I have. I've spent months sick and nauseated because of how badly I've messed up. I mean badly. But you know what really made me lose it? when I think about how bad I was and what I've done in my life, it's that God in his sovereignty took that away from me as far as the east is from the west. Just like David says. He did the same for you. You know, two points on a straight line can only grow if they exceed away from each other. And in that same way, the sin is taken away from you the work that God has done for you. The fact that God, in his sovereignty, took his, his sin away from me is mind-blowing. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, and you remember last week when John preached, remember the whole, uh, we were going over the cosmos, and we were talking about how we're here as a quarter, and then if you look at the, the grand scheme of everything, it's like a quarter inside the United States of America. Do you remember that? Think about that for a second, and then think about how high the heavens are above earth the earth, God's love has to be for me because a love any less could not forgive me. Let me say that again a different way. The love of God and the compassion he has shown on me is the only love that could possibly forgiven me. It's the only love that could have dealt with my transgressions and not squashed me like a bug as I talked earlier. You see, being just a man, being dust, the Lord broke chains in my life of serious oppression. For some reason, the Lord was mindful of me and he was mindful of you. The bondage and the chains that held me and you both captive were broken by the blood of Jesus according to the God's compassion and his mercy on us. You should be so much more excited right now. Somebody wake up. You guys need to, come on now, let's go. I said we were going to have church and you guys falling asleep. Facebook can wait 10 minutes. Hang on a second. Let's go. We have been redeemed back into the inheritance of God's kingdom as children. The works of the devil causing all the oppression in my life were destroyed in one single solitary, complete act through the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and for you. Do you understand that? Thank you. Someone was excited. For in a moment, according to God's compassion, we were purchased and we were redeemed. Remember, I taught you that word earlier. We were bought back to himself. So in thinking about that verse, verse 6, it says that he executes acts of righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. And I taught you about how oppressed I was. What kind of chains I had. If you remember early on in the beginning, I was asking What kind of bold people of God do we have here today? We're about to find out. We're about to find out. Those of you who are genuinely bold enough to do something about it, I want you to raise your hand. There we go. You're all about to get to work. so. So now you can put your hands down, but you've got to be paying attention to everyone else around you. Who in here... Need needs some chains to be broken. There we go. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's okay. It's okay. All of you people that had your hands up that said that you were willing to go do some work, there's people that need you to do some work. It's okay. You can stand up right now. You can go get to work. It's okay. We're going to have some more of this. Who in here is battling addictions and needs Jesus' power to show up and deal with it? Somebody? Is somebody going to be bold enough to say what they really need to say? Who in here is having trouble in their marriage? You know, right here today, today, and I mean today, there is a divorce happening. You know, someone in the church is obviously what I'm saying. Uh, there's, there's a couple here that all of you need to be aware of. I'm not going to say their name, but uh, the wife has uh, served papers of divorce to the husband today, and they're a part of this church. There's work to do. <laughs> Who in here is struggling with issues at work? How about issues of self-esteem or anxiety or depression? I know that these things exist. Jesus is willing. He's ready to show up and do some work. We just got to do it. We've just got to be dependent on him like we say we're going to be. So I asked, who was bold enough to stand up and go pray for someone? And you all put your hands up. And I asked you, and I even warned you. I said, you're going to be doing it. And then I started asking questions of who needs help. And people started putting their hands up. So I'm fully expecting those of you who said you were bold enough to get up and go pray to do it, like right now. Let's start moving. I don't know how much more I have to yell at you, but I will. As these people are starting to move around, it's going to be weird. It's going to be okay. This is the Lord working. This is what we do. This is what church is. We don't exist for people who are perfect. Jesus didn't show up to save the righteous. He came to heal the sick, didn't he? Right? Is someone listening? We praise God, and in doing so, we give Him the adoration of the absolute highest. We bless Him. When we bless the Most High God, we are not blessing His works, but Him for all of His works, not the other way around. Do you understand that? We're not blessing creation, we're blessing the Creator. For the Lord is mighty and he is worthy and his benefits of healing, salvation, freedom are outpourings of his holiness and compassion towards us. When we bless him, we should do so unreservedly. For David says, everything that is in me, bless his holy name. From the beginning there has been a God who desires you. He is unrelentingly and ferociously coming after you. Why? Because at the end of the day, the very best possible thing for you is God. The very best thing for your family, for your life, for your soul is God. He calls you to be holy. From the beginning to the end, there is a call to be holy. Why? Because he is holy. And because he is the best possible thing for you. So in praising the God of everything, we should do as David does. In stirring up our hearts and reminding our souls that God is worthy of our most highest praise of us blessing him out of the depths of our most inward parts. For this reason, I shall bless the Lord. We praise God for he is worthy and he is mighty. Amen? He's the only one deserving of our most highest blessing. For as his kingdom rules over all from heaven, let every one of us And his works, in all the places that he rules, bless his holy name. So at some point along this, you might be asking, like, how do I do that? How do I praise him with my utmost? How do I take everything inside of me and use it to bless the Lord? I had to ask myself the same question. And in that, I directed myself to Jesus, When you look at Jesus and the life that he led here, you find selfless sacrifice, abandoned devotion and faithful obedience to God's commands. That's called dependency. We talked about it at the beginning, in case you forgot. Jesus said that he can only do what he sees the Father do. And what did Jesus do when he was here? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He broke chains in people's lives. You see, the reason we went through this kind of exercise is, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to be challenged in some way and actually respond. But if we're going to be obedient, if we're going to be dependent on God, you've got to listen to what he says, and you've got to act. You have to. Jesus saw God doing these things so jesus did them we're talking about how are we going to be dependent on god how are we going to act we follow jesus we do as he did you know he went on to call out the devil for who he was he loved regardless of condition taught the multitudes of the greatness of god preached the kingdom of god and lastly laid down his life for others You know, the stuff that we get involved in here, in this in this world, in this church, it's messy. It's really messy. There's some stuff going on inside of this church and outside these walls that's, that's not fun. And we've got to deal with it. We are called to be obedient. We are called to depend on God. To depend is to act. It is to listen, to obey, and to act. We bless God through complete abandonment to self and chasing after Jesus in a relentless pursuit of holiness. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. John told me to kind of keep it short today so you guys could uh, get out of here early. So, Since I yelled at you, now you get a little, little break. But don't be afraid when we talk about these things. Be dependent. Trust the word of God and be obedient to what he calls you to do. Guys, as, uh, as you guys come back up here to, to worship, I'm just going to ask that, that you lead us to a real place of worship. That, I don't know about the rest of these folks, but I'm ready. I'm ready to worship God for all of his benefits and everything that was inside of me, I want to give back to him. So if you can do that, if you can lead us to the throne room, I would greatly appreciate that.